Well, happy Easter. Good to see you all. If you're uh, watching online, thanks so much for joining us online. If you're here in the room, let me just say happy Easter to all of you. My name is uh, Nate. I'm one of the pastors here as well on staff. And uh, I just have to be honest with you. You know, if I wasn't on staff here, if I wasn't paid to be here, I'd still come to church here. (laughs) (laughs) We've been here, my wife and I and family have been here about 10 months and have loved to get to know this church, to get to know this community, to get to know Kansas City. And uh, it is just great to be together, to be excited about what God is doing here at Hillcrest and how he's using us to make a difference uh, in this neighborhood and around the world. I love being part of this church. There's a couple things I'm excited about. Before we pray together, I just want to share a couple updates here at Hillcrest that we're excited about. Uh, One, many of you know we've been looking for a new youth pastor for a few months now. And uh, we found a, a candidate, a person that can come and lead our 6th to 12th grade students. And I have to say thanks to Nate Severson and Mindy Vaughn and the whole team that was working on finding this next candidate. And I'm excited. He is an amazing leader. He's been doing, working with students for over a decade and is excited to, to rebuild what God has been doing here at Hillcrest. And so in May, May 15th, that Sunday, we're going to introduce you to him and uh, let you meet him. And then as a congregation, we're going to just affirm that call that God has on his life to bring him here Uh, to serve here. And so we're excited about that. Uh, Another thing I'm excited about in May and in June, we're going to get together in smaller groups all around Johnson County uh, and talk about the vision that God is planting here at Hillcrest, the new things that he's doing here among us. And, uh, you know, we've spent about 10 months just uh, listening for what God is saying, meeting together as a congregation to pray. Uh, The leaders here, the board and the staff have met together several times to listen for what God is taking us toward. And so in May and June, we want to get together in smaller groups, 15 people or so, and just share with you what God is laying on our hearts. And as the, the church together to talk about those things and to pray about them. And I'm excited that we might be able to head into the fall with a renewed vision of what God wants for Hillcrest in this new season of life together. So these are exciting days, and I'm just so excited to be part of what God's doing with you here in our community. So as we uh, go to scripture this morning, as we go to this amazing story of Jesus' resurrection, let's just pause for a moment and talk with God. Will you bow your heads with me? and Let's pray together. Father God, we're excited to be here this morning, to hear from you. Lord, we're, we're joining people all around the globe this morning, from every tribe and nation, lifting up their their voices to you, thanking you for your goodness and your grace, remembering that Jesus died and rose again. Lord, we're joining in to this Easter celebration that's happening all around the world. And Father, we're thankful that we get to be part of it. We're so thankful for your goodness to us. And we just invite you, Spirit of God, to speak to us today. Would you remind us of what is true? Would you challenge us? Would you encourage us? Would you comfort us or maybe uncomfort us, Lord, if that's what we need. Stir us up this morning. I want to just pray especially, Father, for anyone here this morning that is is feeling unsure, anyone here this morning who is going through difficult days, anyone here that needs to see something new in their life, Father, I pray that you would speak clearly today. And we thank you because of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. It is amazing to think about the entire world celebrating Easter today, that people in, in every like, city and village all around the world are gathering together to celebrate that Jesus came back to life. And, and some of those celebrations probably have uh, you know, eggs and bunnies and a little plastic grass, but, but many of them don't. Many of them don't have those things. We, we know that Easter is a lot more than that. It's fun to get jelly beans and, and peeps. Anybody have a peep this weekend? <laughs> 
I, I, I don't think you can go through Easter weekend without eating a peep, so get one. Um, also, we're, I mean, we're giving out cookies this morning. I mean, we know that Easter is more than just a sugar rush, but I mean, it seems like we're all about it. Uh, but we know it's more than that. In fact, this last week, the staff had an Easter egg hunt in this sanctuary. We hid eggs all around. So if you find an egg in here, it's probably left over from the staff Easter egg hunt. But we know that Easter is a lot more than those things. Easter is all about dead things coming back to life. Easter is all about the dark valleys of our lives being lit up by the risen sun, bringing hope, bringing joy, bringing peace again into our lives. Easter is the people of God in every corner of our planet gathering together to celebrate that Jesus 2,000 years ago showed us that death is not the end of the story, that death is not the end for any of us. One corner of the world that's celebrating today is a church in Nepal in the city of Kathmandu. And uh, they are gathering together um, to celebrate Easter. And in fact, there's a couple from our church, Drew and Lauren Timberlake, that are over there with them this morning celebrating. We've had a partnership with the church, Beautiful Gate, over there for many years. And, and it's good that they can be there this morning. But why would they travel 8,000 miles to the other side of the planet to be at an Easter celebration in Nepal? Well, this is going to sound a little strange. But that church is celebrating Easter this morning by having a funeral which is a little strange if you think about it. They're having a memorial service today for one of their leaders, one of their pastors, a man named Bakash, who passed away from COVID back at the end of March. And today they're celebrating his life. Bakash grew up at that church that was started by uh, his father for Nepalese who had, had physical challenges because right before Bakash was born, his dad fell out of a tree, broke his back, and was confined to a wheelchair. And I don't know if you know this, but in Nepal, as in other places in the world, when you have a physical challenge, there's this cultural understanding that if there's something wrong with you physically, there's something wrong with you spiritually. That if there's something physically limiting in your life, it's because the gods don't like you, because there's something evil in you. And so Bakash's dad would show up to a church service in his wheelchair, and they wouldn't let him come in. They'd say, you can't come in here. Because that was their understanding, their cultural understanding. Well, Bakash's dad was so stirred up by what God was doing in his life that that didn't slow him down. So he gathered together some other followers of Jesus that had physical limitations, and they started a church, and they called it Beautiful Gate. And Bakash grew up in that church. Here's a picture of uh, Bakash and his family. Uh, just a wonderful man and a, a wonderful leader in that church community. As Bakash grew up, he decided that he wanted to be used by God to help people around him that were, that were ill, that, were, that had hurt and broken bodies, to support them in a culture that saw them as unworthy of help. Here's another Bakash, a picture of Bakash in action, and uh, you just see the, the joy on his face, a man of joy, a man who loved to invest in others and help bring hope and help to those who were overlooked and minimized. One more picture of Bakash here I want to share with you, and this is him in action again uh, during the COVID pandemic, bringing relief and help to uh, his neighbors and his friends. And it's amazing to think, I've had several people tell me that they estimate almost a million people were assisted through Beautiful Gate Church and Bakash's leadership. In fact, in Nepal, the government gave his nonprofit a prestigious award that basically said they were the most important nonprofit in their entire country during the pandemic. And part of that was leaving, they had a 110-bed um, isolation center where that was, that was um, accessible to those who were disabled, and, and they led this, this center where many people came to find support and help and healing when they caught COVID, and then they were released back into the community. And, and this morning, this Easter morning, 
They're celebrating Bokasha's life. A funeral, it's a, it's a strange way to celebrate Easter. And yet if we uh, pause for a minute, maybe it's the most appropriate way to celebrate Easter. Before something comes back to life, first it must die. Before there can be resurrection, there has to be death. And we see this all around us. We take a seed and we put it in the ground and wait for the day when that plant will spring from that seed, that little tomato plant, before we can put those tomatoes in our, our salsa. We gotta put the seed in the ground, let it die, and then it springs forth into new life. Spring is uh, springing all around us. Again, this is my first spring in Kansas City. So a couple weeks ago, I pulled out of my driveway, and there's these two trees that have been barren all winter, and they were popping these little white buds out the end of the branches. I had no idea that I had these two trees in my front yard that were gonna have white flowers all over them. I've got a couple more trees that haven't budded yet, and I'm kind of curious what colors are going to come out of those trees. But before those buds can open up, before the spring can wake those trees from their slumber, they have to go through that loss of leaves in the fall and that long winter where it looks like they're dead. From that time of deadness comes a new life. Before something comes back to life, it first must die. Trees, seeds, and Jesus. Without death, there can be no resurrection. Without the ending of one thing, there can't be the beginning of something new. And I don't know if you know this, but God is in the resurrection business. He's in the business of bringing new life to people, new hope, new joy, new grace, new, new freedom. God created us to live, not to die. In fact, the original plan, death wasn't even part of it. But because of our rebellion, because of the things we think and say and do, that offend God and that hurt other people because of the ways we push away from him. The Bible calls it sin. When sin entered the world, death came also. And God is so focused on life that he's made a way through death. He's made a way for resurrection to be part of all of our stories. It started, for, it started with Jesus, and for the past 2,000 years, God has been bringing that same resur resurrection power into people's lives every day, people just like you and me, People who were spiritually dead and now they're spiritually alive. People who are walking in spiritual darkness and now because of this resurrection power, they have a new light, a new life, a new grace and truth. If you're feeling frustrated this morning, if there's a, a reality that you're facing that worries you or, or freaks you out, if there's a personality trait you would love to see change or an addiction or a habit in your life that you would love to see uh, turned around, it could be that what you need this morning is to let something die. It, it could be that you need that death in your life today so that you might receive something new from God. For you to have a new life from God, first, something or someone has to die. Lately, God's been helping me kill my desire to control things. I'm not there yet. I got a ways to go. But, but I like being in control, and he's working on me in that area. You could ask Angela or Haven whenever we're out driving. I'm always the one that wants to be at the steering wheel. I seldom let them drive me around. And if I'm letting them drive me around, I'm in the back seat just chirping, you know, my little helpful hints from the back seat about how they can do better. I don't like, not, I don't like being out of control. I don't like knowing what's not coming next. I don't like surprises. I like being in control. Does anybody relate to that? Any of you feel that too? We like being in control, but there's a lot of things we can't control. I can't control those trees in my front yard and make them bloom those awesome flowers. I can't make that happen. I have to wait until God says they're ready. 
We can't control a lot of things in our lives. We can't control our adult kids. Um, I'm learning that now. I couldn't even control my kids when they were younger, now even more so. And we can't control broken relationships from our past. We can't control our friends or the things that they go through. We can't break free from the shame of past choices on our own. We, we would love to be free from sickness and pain, but we can't control those things. We want to be in control, but we can't. And, and I need to let my desire to control die. I need to let that part of my life die so that I can have a different way of life, something new. And part of that means trusting that God can, have a, can bring a better life for me than I can bring for myself, that God's control in my life can actually be a good thing. Part of that is also believing that allowing other people to have control over my life can be a good thing. But there's times when I need to learn, when I need to hear from other people. I need to be accountable to others that know where I need to grow, and allowing them to have some control can be a good thing in my life. When Jesus talked about death, he always talked about his return. When he talked about things dying, he always talked about himself coming back to life. He would talk to his friends, and he would say, hey, guys, someday I'm going to get arrested by the Roman government. They're going to they're kill me, and then I'm going to come back to life. He would say, I'm going to die, and then he would say something like, but three days later, I'll rise again. And usually his friends didn't catch that last part about coming back, which I can't blame them. If I had a friend come to me and say, hey, I'm going to die, I'd stop listening right there. You know, that would kind of stop me. I'd forget anything that came after that, especially if they said something like, but don't worry, a couple days later, I'll be back. I just wouldn't even hear that part. But Jesus said that to his friends over and over again, three days and then new life, three days and then I'll be back. From Good Friday to Easter morning, three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Why three days? You ever wondered that? Why, why not two days? Why not 10 days? Why not a week? Why was it three days? There's this three-day time frame that shows up in the stories of God's movement through history over and over again. In fact, on the first page of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, there's something that happens in the third day. As God is creating, as God is, is taking this unformed, unfilled existence and bringing physical shape to it, as he's speaking into it, darkness and light, sky and ground, land and water, creating order and, and, and out of the chaos, and then the third day comes, and we read this in this, this poem at the beginning of the Bible, the third day, then, Jesus said, uh, then God said, let the land produce plants. Let them produce their own seeds, and let there be trees on the land that grow fruit with seeds in it. So the land produced plants, and God saw that it was good. There was evening, there was morning. It was day three. On the third day, the first living thing comes into existence. From the, the dead ground, through this work that God had done, something alive comes out. Something with seeds in it that can reproduce its own, that can bring more life, and it happened on the third day. Some of you know the story of Jonah. God said to Jonah, I want you to go to your enemies and tell them about my love and my forgiveness. And Jonah said, I don't want my enemies to know about your love and forgiveness. So he jumped on a boat and headed in the opposite direction. And this huge storm tore across the sea and halted the progress of that boat. And, and Jonah turned to the sailors there and said, hey guys, this is my fault. This cyclone, it's all about me. I'm running from God and he's trying to get my attention. So just throw me in the sea and everything will be okay. And they do what he tells them to do. And then we read these words in Jonah chapter 1. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish. And what a, a great phrase there, God arranged for a fish. Like, what did that look like? 
You know, God comes down, finds a fish, and puts his arm around it, says, hey, now, a couple days, this guy's going to fall in the water. I want you to swallow him, all right? Don't chew him. Just swallow him, all right? Hold on to him for a couple days. It's not going to be comfortable, but just hold on to him, and then I'll, I'll help you get rid of him. That, yeah, has God ever arranged a fish for you to kind of turn things around, to kind of redirect you when you've been wandering away, something to get your attention again? Jonah was inside the fish. How long was he inside the fish? Three days, that's right. There's that three-day thing again. Jonah was dead in the fish and then given a, a new life, a second chance. In the New Testament, we read about a man who was religiously intolerant and was chasing down those who were following Jesus, throwing them into prison, watching them being killed. His name was Paul, and, and he was against what Jesus was doing in the world. And then one day, he had a, he had a conversation with the risen Son of God, with Jesus face-to-face, and it changed him. And after that conversation, uh, Paul couldn't see. He was blind. Any idea how long he was blind? How many days? That's right, three days he was blind. And then he was able to see again. That old way of life was dead, and he lived in an entirely new way. Three days. It's more than just a coincidence that we see that showing up over and over again. Abraham walked three days to offer his son to God. There was darkness in Egypt for three days as God was trying to get Pharaoh's attention. Moses led the people of Israel into the desert for three days so that they could worship God. The first king of Israel looked for three days for his lost donkeys. Esther, the queen, asked the people of God to pray with her for three days as she went to fight for them before the king. And in the stories of Jesus, Jesus over 20 times, he says, three days, three days, and then I'll come back. I'll rise again. It may be that God's movement through life to death to new life is best captured in this idea of three days. These three movements. Day one, I let something sinful or negative in my life die. Day two, I wait for God to do what only God can do. And day three, God brings new life, a new way for me. Now, they're not 24-hour periods, right? We know that. Sometimes that waiting period can be a long time in between what we let die and waiting for God to do something new. Day one, death. Day two, we wait. Day three, new life. Friday, Jesus died. Saturday, we waited. And this morning, Sunday, we get to celebrate that he came back from death, resurrected into new life. This, this three-day cycle, we see it in Jesus' life. We see it showing up. And I think it's the death and the resurrection of Jesus is the most important point in all of history. It's the apex of humanity. It's, it's the, 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 the high point of all existence. And, and I'm not just hyping that up. I, I think about how we even set our calendars. We count down to the era of Jesus, and then we start to count up. And we've been counting now to 2022. It is the moment in history that changed this planet. And I think there's people in the Bible that would agree with me. Paul, the guy who was blind for three days, wrote a letter to his friends, and he, he said this about how important the resurrection is. He said, if the dead can't be br brought back to life, then Christ hasn't come back to life. And if Christ hasn't come back to life, our message has no meaning. Your faith has no meaning. No meaning. I don't know about you, but I want my life to have meaning and purpose. I want what I use my life to in is to be based in reality, to make a difference in this world, to be connected to the one who made me and created me. I want to experience that kind of purpose and focus. What I don't need is more of the appearance of life. I don't need more performance trying to make people believe that I'm living my best life now. I don't need more pretend and pretense. I'm tired of trying to make much of myself. Nobody cares. I want to have real life with God.
I've got to let my, my pride and my position and my power die and wait for God to bring resurrection. And that resurrection, it's going to include a new heart in my soul and a new posture towards God and towards those around me. Maybe that new thing you're wanting to experience in your life is waiting just on the other side of a death, a death in your humanness, a death in what you're clinging to, a burial of your fight for what is yours, a surrender to God, just laying your life down before him and saying, I trust you and I give you all that I am, a surrender that will allow him to plant in you a new spirit and a new heart. Thousands of years ago, God announced over the loudspeaker an amplifier named Ezekiel. He said these words. God said, I will give you a new heart and a new mind. I will take away your stubborn heart of stone and give you an obedient heart. I will put my spirit in you and will see to it that you follow my laws and keep all the commandments I have given you. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. God said, there's a way of life that I want to call you to live. There's a way that you can walk through this world following what I've laid out that will bring you life, life abundant. And he says, I want to bring you to that land. And for the ancient people, they would understand when God talked about this land, he was talking about a place they would call home, a place of safety and belonging, a place where they were known by their God and by his people. This land represented this new heart that God wanted to put into those who followed him, allowed him to resurrect their dying lives. Do you need a new heart today? Do you need something new in your life? Just down the hallway here, you'll see near the ceiling a sign that says AED. And around the corner is a little cabinet, and inside that it's a little machine. And that machine is used to, to get people's hearts going again. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. When, when your heart stops and you're in the hospital, they grab the crash cart, the medical professionals, and they'll kind of give you a jolt to get your heart going again. And uh, I'm not a medical professional, but I've been trained to use the AED, and it's a pretty incredible little piece of uh, equipment. You just turn it on, you put these little pads on the side and the, the chest of the patient, and you push another button, and it wakes their heart up again. It shocks it back to life. I've never had to use it. I hope I don't ever have to use it, but I'm glad that we have one here. What the AED does for us physically, the resurrected Jesus does for us spiritually. He brings new life to us. He brings us back to life. And in a couple minutes, I'm going to invite you to consider, to consider asking Jesus to bring you back to life spiritually, to pray and receive a new heart from him, to lay your life down. And I don't know, maybe you've come to church for, for many years. Maybe you've heard the stories of the Bible. You know, you've heard the name Jesus lots of times, but you've never personally said, you know what, I need to let my life die, that I might receive a new life from Christ, a new way of living. Or maybe this is the first morning when you're hearing about what Jesus has done for you in a way that makes sense, and you're like, that's something I need. I need that forgiveness. I need that new way of life. I want to pray with you in just a minute and invite you to, to lay your life down and receive something new from God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus was once at a funeral, and it was a, front, a funeral of a, a good friend of his, a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus had two sisters, and Jesus showed up to the funeral, and it had been going on for four days. Lazarus had died four days ago, and he'd been buried. And the sisters came to Jesus and said, why weren't you here before he died? If you had come when he was just sick, we know you could have healed him, and he'd be alive today. 
And Jesus said something maybe a little insensitive to the sisters there. He said, well, your brother's not going to stay dead. He's going to come back to life. And they just didn't catch. They didn't, what are you trying to say? And so Jesus said to one of the sisters these words in John 11. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And if those who live and believe in me, they will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus was saying to these sisters, death is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story for them. It's not the end of the story for us either today. There is an opportunity for us to live into a new life, to be resurrected into a new way of living. I received a postcard this uh, week ago or so from another church, and it was inviting me to join them for Easter. And I was like, ah, I already got plans. Sorry, I can't, I can't be there. But there is a, a phrase on the postcard that just caught my attention. The phrase said, Easter means the worst thing is never the last thing. I thought, man, that's so good for us to hear. Easter means the worst thing is never the last thing. Death is not the end of the story. God loves you so much that in the reality of our world where death is a very real thing we face, God said, I want to give you a way through that. I want you to know that there's something on the other side that there is resurrection for every single one of us because of what Jesus did on the cross. Today can be your day of resurrection. And I want to invite you to respond to what God's saying to your heart right now. Let's pray together. Will you bow your heads with me and let's talk to God. While we're praying, I just want to invite the worship team to come back up so they can lead us in a song as we close. And, and let's just talk to God together. Father, we're so thankful for this life you've given us. We know that our life we have right now is a gift from you. And yet, Lord, when we look at it with, with truth, when we look at it with eyes that can really see what's going on, we know that we are broken people, that we do things that hurt ourselves and hurt others, that we say things and we think things that don't honor you, who you've called us to be, that don't honor the people around us, Father, we need your forgiveness. We need your mercy and your grace. And this morning, Father, we're thankful that Jesus came back from death, that he walked out of that tomb 2,000 years ago, that that little group of maybe 100 people that were following him, they were afraid, they were hiding out, they thought they were going to be killed next. Lord, they weren't ready for what you were going to do. And when they met the risen Jesus, when they saw their friend again and saw that he was no longer dead, it changed them in profound ways. And that small group of huddled, afraid people transformed this planet. And today, because of their testimony, billions of people talk about their connection with you because of Jesus Christ. The historical fact of the resurrection changes our life even today. And so right now, Father, as you are speaking to each one in this room, each one who's watching online, Father, I just invite you to say what needs to be said, to speak to our hearts. And if anyone here right now is sensing that you're calling them to yourself, that you're inviting them to let their lives die and receive a new life from you, Father, might they respond to that right now in this moment. If you, if you sense God saying that to you right now, I just want you to pray and talk to God. And lay your life down. If you're not sure how to do that, let me just lead you in a prayer. You can just repeat these words. God, I know that I need a new life. God, I acknowledge that I, I need your forgiveness. 
And I lay my life down before you right now. Jesus, because you died on the cross, I am forgiven. Would you resurrect my life spiritually? Would you allow me to live in a new way? I give you my life. Thank you. God, thank you for those that prayed those words right now, that that you've drawn to yourself. Thank you for resurrection, for new life. We praise you this morning because of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.